You are listening to The Dan Patrick Show on Fox Sports Radio. Ross Tucker, CBS Westwood One color analyst, host of the Ross Tucker Football Podcast. What options do you think the NFL had with Calvin Ridley, Ross? Not many, Dan. Uh, I mean, it's something that they talk about often, even back when I played when it wasn't legal in the United States to bet on NFL games. It's all over the locker room. I mean, both in the stadium and at the practice facility. One of the first things they tell you at the start of training camp every year, they are very clear that you can, not only can you not bet on NFL games, you can't be associated with people that bet on NFL games. They know that you can't be giving your buddies tips and things like that. I think they had to suspend him for a year. I think they did the right thing. But can you see, I'm trying to see his side of things. So when he does his appeal, and I guess he's got three days to do that, is there any wiggle room, do you think, for him to say, look, I wasn't playing. I didn't go to a bookie. I I didn't bet against my team. I only bet $1,500. I wasn't trying to hide. Can Can you see the commissioner listening to this going, okay, I'm going to change your suspension. You know what's interesting about that, Dan? It seems like over the years that if you're honest with Goodell, that goes a long way with him. Now, i got to be honest with you. I'm not sure who exactly hears the appeal, so I'd be curious to Mm. see who that is. If it does go to the commissioner because it's discipline, it would go to Goodell. And if people are just open with him and forthright – that does seem to give him a little bit of leniency. I just think with the explosion of legalized sports betting in the United States, it's going to be tough for them to reduce this punishment. I think that they feel like they need to send a very strong message to the other 2,000 NFL players. Uh, Gambling come up when you play? You know what's funny, Dan? The only two times it ever came up were my first game in college and my last game in the NFL, if you can believe that. I'll never forget, Dan, I'm 18 years old. I'm playing for Princeton. We're playing Cornell. I'm a freshman. It's the season opener. I'm on the punt team and the field goal extra point team. And I don't know why, but maybe it's probably for the Wall Street guys. But back then, they would have the Ivy League lines would be in the newspaper. And this is 1997. My dad calls me that week, Dan, and he says, hey, Ross, if I give you a signal in the fourth quarter, let Cornell block the punt. (laughs) (laughs) Obviously, he was joking, but it was kind of crazy to think I'm 18. I just had the prom three months ago. And there are people actually wagering money on this. Like, what if I tripped or missed this block? It was kind of a, an eye-opening thing. My dad was joking, but it was still funny. And then the last one, Dan, is unbelievable. My career ended with a neck injury against the Ravens in, for, for Washington in 2007. So I'm on injured reserve, okay, which means you get paid for the whole year. But I knew I was retiring. I knew I had herniated disc in my neck and bruised my spinal cord. I knew I was on. So I didn't go to any games or anything, but you get paid. So picture this, Dan. It's week 17, last week of the regular season. 
My wife and I and all my high school buddies, we go to my one buddy's house in Charleston, South Carolina. It's New Year's Eve. We're going to have a big night. And the Cowboys are playing Washington. If Washington wins, they make the playoffs. If they lose, they're out. So if Washington wins, I get $18,000. So it's about 30 minutes until the game starts. And I tell my buddies, and now remember, I'm from Reading, Pennsylvania. I tell my buddies, hey, if, if Washington wins, I get $18,000. Three of them pick up their phone. They're like, let me call my bookie. You got to put 9000 on the Cowboys right now. You got to hedge. You got to put 9000 on the Cowboys. I'm yeah. like, no, I'm not doing that. That's illegal. I'm not doing that. I will say this, though, Dan, watching a football game where you have $18,000 riding on it, having beers with your buddies, I have never been more into a football game in my whole life. I mean, it was unbelievable. Washington won. Uh, we made the playoffs. I knew I was getting the 18 grand. I paid for everything that night for New Year's Eve. It was epic. Uh, we're talking to Ross Tucker, uh, the meathead, James Vanderbeek. By the way, James Vanderbeek turns 45 today. The actual James Vanderbeek. You turned 43 last Wednesday, so I don't know if you've ever crossed paths with the actor James Vanderbeek. You could play his little brother in a movie. Uh, well, little but bigger brother. Yeah. Uh, no, we haven't crossed paths. One time when I was filling in for you, Fritzy. Uh, got him booked and then he canceled it. And I think it's, I think it's because of what I said about him on the show. I, I think on the show, we were talking about Dawson's Creek and I just thought he was a little bit of uh, I thought he was a little bit too soft on Dawson's Creek. Okay. Or even to be honest with you, I thought his priorities were all screwed up on um, in that movie. Well, wait, Marcy what's Blue. softer? Acting in Dawson's Creek or watching Dawson's Creek? Oh, I watched Dawson's Creek every episode. I would get together with the girls in college. It was me and like 12 girls watching Dawson's Creek. It was amazing. But in Dawson's Creek, he was always like, oh, Joey, why don't you love me? So I didn't like that. And then Varsity Blues, he's starting high school football in West Texas and he's caring about academics and trying to get into Brown. He needs to focus on what matters and what, Oh, and the girl with the whipped cream comes in and he does nothing with it. She's got whip. Oh, she's only wearing whipped cream. He does nothing. I am convinced Vanderbeek heard me talking crap on his characters <laughs> on your show and canceled on Fritzy as a result. And those are all fair points. Was it Ali Larder? I like how you say it like you don't know. Yeah, yeah. The, the whipped cream girl. All right, we have a Aaron Rodgers bet where Aaron is going to end up. You got to decide today. Where does Aaron Rodgers stay, go, Broncos, Steelers, Titans, retirement, other? Yeah, man. I'm going to go – I'm going to ultimately say Green Bay. Okay. Um, I think my hesitation – is because if it was Green Bay, you th you would think that he would have already said that by now. But there's been enough talk I've seen of LaFleur meeting with Aaron Rodgers' agent and David Dunn, his agent, talking with Russ Ball from the Packers. I guess I don't understand why your agent would be spending that much time talking contract 
with the team if you were planning to leave. That doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. And I think all these reports about him being torn or whatever are just a way to get more favorable contract terms or more money or more leverage, whatever he's looking for. I don't know. I'm going to say he stays in Green Bay. Yeah. It feels like they're giving him everything that he wants. They're bringing back his old quarterback coach, Tom Clements. Uh, It felt like Green Bay is going to release this information of, hey, this is sources. This is this is going to change the quarterbacking market salary wise. That doesn't get out unless you feel like maybe Aaron is not going to come back and we did everything we could to keep him. It's a fair point. It feels like most of the reports that have come out have been from the Packers side. It's not like Aaron Rodgers camp would be leaking that, you know, he's been offered 50 million or they're going to make him the highest paid guy. You know, that doesn't really help Aaron's image. If the belief is that this is about money. I think most people want to believe at least that this is not about money. It's about him going where he has the best chance to win the Super Bowl, which, I, by the way, I don't know how you argue that that's Denver over Green Bay. I think that's a tough argument to make, especially in the AFC yeah. over the NFC. I just think he's having a tough time realizing what Brady did last year, what Stafford did this year, and not thinking that maybe he also needs that change of scenery to get another one. Yeah, I think that's a fair point as well. We have a, a draft bet, quarterback draft bet, we haven't talked to you since we made it. Paulie has a bet uh, that he thinks a quarterback goes in the first 13 picks this year. And uh, the over-under is set at 13 and a half. Are you with Paulie? First 13 picks, we have a quarterback selected, or are you going to take the over? I'm with Paulie. Uh, I'm going to go the under on that. I think... You know, it's tough, obviously, because we haven't gotten to free agency yet or seen what happened with any type of trade market. But I I think Washington ends up taking a quarterback at 11 if they don't get a guy. And I don't know that they're going to get somebody else. I mean, there's just not that many guys available. And Washington has evidently called everybody already. Literally, they called the Chiefs about Mahomes, which is amazing. That would be great content, by the way, to have that conversation be videoed when they ask if Mahomes is available for trade. Yeah. I just don't know that Washington's going to be able to get a veteran that they're happy with. And I think at 11, they'll probably end up taking one of these kids. So I'll go with Paulie on the under. You were uh, joking about Kenny Pickett's small hands and um, the fact that, uh, you know, he played outdoors, played in Pittsburgh. How did that go over on Twitter? Darren, it is remarkable how much people – cannot sense sarcasm <laughs> on Twitter. I mean, but can we come out level, with I, Ross? How about sarcasm font? Like, you know, that if you write it this way in, in cursive or whatever, that you mean to be sarcastic. Yeah. But that kind of ruins the fun. You know, for a <laughs> while I was, I literally, for people that didn't see it, my Twitter is at Ross Tucker NFL. And I said, Kenny Pickett's hands are way too small for him to be able to play in a cold-weather NFL city like Pittsburgh. (laughs) Knowing, by the way, I live in Pennsylvania. I'm from Pennsylvania. I know Kenny Pickett was just at Pitt the last five years. It's a joke. (laughs) No, I've gone full spectrum on this, Dan. For a while, I thought it was funny that people were just this dense and that, like, they didn't get the joke. But now it's actually a poor reflection on me. 
Like these people either don't know who I am or they think I'm that stupid. <laughs> it's not funny anymore. Don't laugh. It's I'm not, not funny I'm anymore. Not, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> We actually had a hand measurement size uh, here on the show. I heard. I can't believe Marvin yeah. has the smallest hands. Yeah, Marvin. Marvin's like 6'2", probably 220, and uh, he has very, very small, delicate hands. I'm shocked. Guess what? This is going to surprise you. I don't have very big hands either. I think I used to wear like an XL glove. Because when you're wearing gloves as a lineman or really any player, you want it to be as tight as possible. Like you almost want it to be painted on. You don't want there to be any extra fabric at all because you want to feel like you're not wearing gloves, even though you are. I, I actually have short arms and small hands. <laughs> Those are my two worst qualities. But I have a huge head and a crazy torso. I'm basically like a real-life Mr. Potato Head. Like, it just doesn't make sense. Watch. Look how big my head is. Yeah. Now, I, I can't put it like a – watch. My head is way bigger than my hand. Yes. Look at that. Yes, it is. Way bigger than my face. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. I don't have very – and it was an issue. Like, if the – I, I will say this. If the weather wasn't good and I was playing center like in Buffalo or New England, it's not easy. It's not easy to grip the ball. Like There is something to that. Yeah, we don't make a big deal out of wide receivers' hands or the center's hands, but we do make a big deal out of the quarterback's hands. It's, it's an issue for centers, not as much of one – as quarterbacks, obviously, you're not controlling the ball. You're not throwing the ball. People, I mean, Dan, by the way, you should see that tweet. People hit me back with the exact temperature of every game he played for in Pittsburgh. <laughs> People were telling me that there was four games the Steelers played after Pitt's last game in December and January where the temperatures fell below. I mean, people take this stuff. We realize this is football, right? Like, this is fun. He's a good quarterback. Like, people take some of this stuff way way too seriously that's why we love having you on ross thanks for uh, joining us as always of course see you guys that's meathead james vanderbeek ross tucker ross tucker football podcast also even money podcast you can find him on social media at ross tucker nfl because when i first read it i thought oh gosh ross is going to get torched on twitter because he is thinking Kenny Pickett can't play outside because he has small hands. And I go, uh, okay, he got me. And and because I was gonna, I was going to say to Paul, hey, reach out to Ross. You know, <laughs> he's going to get roughed up. Here. Help him out. Yeah. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, nine to noon Eastern or six to nine Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for the Dan Patrick Show at foxsportsradio.com. Or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. Or stream us live on the Peacock app. We ended last hour with uh, the saddest song that's in our life. Now, there was uh, a survey done in England, 2,000 adults, and they had some of their saddest songs of all time. People want to uh, give us their saddest songs of all time. Like Barry in Long Island. Barry, who is... Uh, I think 65 and single, and uh, I don't know what could be sad in your life, Barry. First of all, it's 61. Oh, okay. 
Second, secondly, uh, I will soon be buried from Santa Fe, so everything is beautiful. Okay. However, ironically, ironically, the most sad song ever is Alone Again Naturally by Gilbert O'Sullivan. The guy's father dies, the guy's mother dies, he uh, climbs up a nearby tower only to almost throw himself off. That's a bummer, man. <laughs> well, thank you, Barry, and good luck in Santa Fe. Uh, what, what was Barry's philosophy on life, Seton? I do what I want, when I want, if I want, something like that. With wh- whoever yeah, I who want. Who I want, yeah, yeah something. It's yeah. everything is whenever I want. If I want, I do what I want, when I want to do what I want to do. Yeah. Uh, Don in Vegas. Hey, Don, what's on your mind today? Uh, first time caller, uh, six foot, 175. And then uh, I was, uh, saddest song ever is 8th of November by Big and Rich. Okay. Uh, no, I'm not uh, not familiar with that. Paul, are you uh, you familiar? I know Big and Rich real well. They're yeah. popular, but I don't know that song specifically. Okay. Uh, Craig in Washington. Hi, Craig. What's on your mind? Hey, DB. Hey. Got a sad song, I think, uh, Kansas, Dust in the Wind. Mm-hmm. And the second comment, co- comment I had was uh, when you guys were off on vacation, I listened to uh, Jim Gray uh, talking to goats. I thought it was phenomenal. Didn't know much about Jim Gray, and if anybody gets a chance, I think that's just an excellent. Uh, I didn't read it; I listened to it on Audible. Yeah, it's perfect. And one last thing is "Suck Up Front Row." Thanks, Dan. Uh, all right. Well, thank you, Craig. <laughs> yes, Paul. "Dust in the Wind" is no longer a sad song after Will Ferrell covered it in old school during Blues' funeral scene. Yeah. Every time I hear it, <laughs> I can't help but laugh. Yeah, Seaton. Somebody just tweeted in. This is a pretty good one too. Uh, the "Somewhere Over the Rainbow." That's a sad song. I don't know if it's intentionally sad, but that is a sad song. I don't remember feeling any way about it. It's a sad song. Listen to it while you're driving for a long time alone in your car for a while. I bet you start crying. <laughs> is that Judy Garland? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yes, Tom. It's birds fly over the rainbow. Why then? Why can't she? She wants to know like, why everyone's able to accomplish these things and do things that they probably take for granted. And there she is just sitting there on the ground. American Pie, uh, Day the Music, Don. Don McLean. It's too happy. Too upbeat. Yeah, it's way too upbeat to be a sad song. Oh. Okay. Did you write the book of love and did you have faith in God? Like, yeah, it's a very peppy plane yeah. crash song. Very peppy for a plane crash song. <laughs> Super upbeat plane, plane crash, crash song. Plane crash should be morose. So of all of the Buddy Holly dying songs, that, right. that's a little too cheery? It's the saddest most upbeat one. <laughs> they, they didn't have a category for that with the survey here. What's the, what's the most upbeat sad song ever? Songs about death that rock. Yeah. Go. <laughs> Volume two. That's like, oh, that'd be great. We should do that. Well, Stairway to Heaven. Yes. That kicks ass. Stairway, it does. It starts off where you're slow dancing, and then all of a sudden it kicks up, and then, you know, you're, you're buying the Stairway to Heaven. I don't know if anybody gets emotional listening to that, but that is Freebird. Is that a sad song, too? Yeah, Paul. Fade to Black by Metallica is about death, but that song is awesome. Hmm. Everyone likes that. Okay. Uh, Reggie in Mississippi. Hey, Reg, what's on your mind? Hey, uh, 6'1", um, 200. Yeah. 
Um, McMarvin song uh, by Stevie Wonder. That's an extremely sad song. Um, I, I remember hearing that song um, from uh, Tupac and Janet Jackson's uh, Poetics Justice back in 93. So, yeah, that's a sad song. But mine would be Eminem's Stan. That's extremely disturbing and sad. Uh, you remember that scene? <laughs> Thanks for taking my call. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you, Reggie. Reggie, getting uh, a little deep there. <laughs> and... McMarvin song. Seton, you're a uh, you're a big Eminem fan, right? Uh, no, no I wouldn't put myself in the fandom okay. category. No. Oh no, no, no. Slim Shady, that's not that's not my guy. But I have tons of respect for what he's done. But I'm not necessarily a fan. Okay, but, I I I've heard Stan, but I don't know. I don't remember Stan. Well, that's how like now when people are like standing you, you know what I mean? Like, oh, that guy's a Stan for whoever. It's based off of that song. What's that mean? Like internet lingo like what's stan stand for uh like uh like so you like obsessed with somebody else or like just like a unrelenting in a creepy way supporter oh uh sean in oregon hey sean what's on your mind i got a sad song for you and it's a good song it's by the king it's called in the ghetto oh and his mama cried <laughs> yes that's a good one that used to be my, my karaoke go-to. When we went to uh, Dimples in Burbank. You brought the house down. Well, I don't know about that. I remember. But, uh, yeah, got up there. And, and uh, we had to get there early because we had to be up early the next morning. And uh, I think Dimples, we got there around 7 o'clock or something. And uh, did a little, little Elvis. And his mama cried. Yeah, Paul. I have the cassette of you singing, and uh, someday I'll do a deep dive in my mm, office yes. and find the cassette of you singing because the the owner Sal gave me the cassette years ago, and I have it in a box. Okay, but who was there that night? Famous? Yes. I thought there was Paris Hilton. No, or- we were there once when Kiefer Sutherland sang. I remember that he was there. He he was in his cups and he got up and sang a little bit. Yeah. Um, Cato Kalen, our buddy. He was yeah. there that was night. He? Yeah, our buddy Cato Kalen. Yeah, I don't remember. He was there. Yeah. Um, Dennis Haskins. Oh, Dennis Haskins. Mr. Belding. Yes. Yeah, he's, he's, he, he was, was a, always there. Yeah, he was fun to hang with. Yeah, always there. Those are the three that I remember. Yeah, yes, Tom. The Saved by the Bell principle just hangs out yes, there? Yes. That's he, pretty wild. Yes, he loved his karaoke. <laughs> How about knock, knock, knocking on Heaven's Door? Well, Bob Dylan? Anybody? All right. Uh, Jason in Florida. Hi, Jason. What's on your mind? Hey, DP, I got a great one for you guys, man. Out of the box, Metallica 1, about a guy who comes home from war, has lost all his limbs, just laying in a bed, can't move. It's a great song, but also depressing if you hear the lyrics. But Metallica 1, that's got to be up there. Oh, okay. I'm not familiar with that. Yeah, it's so a banger. You, oh, it is? Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah. Yes, Todd? Garth Brooks has a song, just the title alone, If Tomorrow Never Comes. <laughs> is very upsetting and he's kind of looking at his wife while she's sleeping and he's wondering if has he told her enough how much he loves her and feels about her what if for some reason she doesn't wake up or he dies or whatever has he made sure she knew how much he felt about her i still i i, I think rem won that contest the uh, survey everybody hurts and and i think and I, I i could be completely wrong about it but it had to do with um you know, teenagers feeling bad and, uh, you know, that everybody hurts, you know, that um, maybe talking about suicide or, you know, trying to explain that, hey, 
everybody hurts. I, mean, you, I, I saw them perform it in Atlanta, and it was really moving when I saw them uh, because it Michael Stipe really when he starts to sing it. You know, I mean, there's no other voice like that, and it just it it has that I've been in your shoes before feeling with uh, Michael Stipe, lead singer. Yeah, Paul. But that's one of those songs. It kind of ends up. It ramps up that uh, that REM song. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Seton. Well, because like ultimately the message of it, right, is to challenge everybody to hold on, yeah. right, and that you're not alone. Yeah. If you remember too, the video for that was really powerful because it was like it started out. I remember there was all of these people sitting in their cars in traffic. Yeah. And like just the symbolism of while you think you're alone in your car, we're actually all in this together. Kind of thing mm-hmm. was just really powerful. Mm. Okay. Joe in California. Hi, Joe. What's on your mind? Done. Hey, Joe. Hey, um, uh, when Mickey Mantle was dying of cancer, he he knew, he knew he was going to die, and he, he was friends with Roy Clark, and he asked Roy Clark to play at his funeral yesterday when I was young. Hmm. Okay. Thank you, Joe. I don't remember that. Uh, actor Josh Dumel is on the uh, the phone. Do you uh, do you have a sad song, Josh? I do. I do, Dan. Uh, Tim McGraw. Don't take the girl. Johnny's daddy was taking him fishing when he was eight years old. You remember that one? Uh, I think I I think I remember it. I'm 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 trying to figure it out by listening to you sing it. But um, that's don't take the girl. <laughs> It's does, really sad. Does, I mean, it, I literally listened to it a couple weeks ago, and I got a little tear in my eye. I'm going to guess that's what a lot of guys said to you, don't take the girl away from them. <laughs> and you did. <laughs> right? Yeah, let's go, let's go with that story. Um, are you, So you're engaged now, right? So you took the girl. I am engaged. That's, I took the girl. That's awesome. And, uh, and had, when are you getting married? I'm not telling you that. You're invited, though. Well, you got to tell me when when you're getting married. I, I got to make plans. You'll get a special invite, Dan. Okay. Okay. You and the Danettes. Oh, okay. A group effort. Wow. Mm-hmm. Okay. Are we getting married in North Dakota? I can't tell you that, Dan. You're going to have to wait to get the invite. All right. Will I need a passport to go? No. Okay. Good. No, you won't. All right. You might need some mosquito repellent, though. Oh, it's North Dakota. Here we come. <laughs> I love it. Uh, you got a new show out, don't you, coming up? I do. You know, I didn't. Even, I wasn't even calling for that reason, but Fritzy said, hey, congratulations on the new show. I was like, oh, yeah, that comes out tonight. Oh. Everything's perfect. Oh. And I'm also I'm also going to be part of the, uh, the March Madness show. Uh, Tournament brackets, I hear. The Celebrity Bracket Challenge? Yeah, who you got this year? Who's your final four? I I don't know yet. I gotta do I gotta do some research. I gotta do some homework. I I yeah. like Gonzaga a lot. I think Gonzaga is the best team. They might be better than last year, but um yeah, I gotta figure I gotta figure this out here soon. Do you, do you watch much college basketball? I, Until this time of the year? This time of the year, yes. Yes, I do. I, I start – I love championship week. But last week is when it felt like I did a little bit deeper dive into this. 
Um, and, you know, watching North Carolina beat Duke, how good is Duke? Are they going to be a three seed now? You know, so I got to. I, I think I think Krzyzewski's going to use that. I think they're going to go deep. They might make the Final Four, might even win it. I think they were really, really pissed off at themselves for not winning that basketball game. Well, they should be. They nearly gave up 100 points at home. I mean, that's about as embarrassing as it gets. By the way, it's Josh Dumel. The new show is The Thing About Pam. And you didn't even ask for a plug. It's on Peacock. Who is Pam, by the way? Pam Hupp is a woman from uh, Troy, Missouri. The whole thing came from a, a Dateline special that went on to have this really popular podcast afterwards. The story itself is is one of those that you wouldn't even believe if it weren't true. It's, it's just crazy what happened. Um, and Renee Zellweger plays Pam Hupp and does an amazing job. It's, you know, it's very dark subject matter, but it, the show is actually kind of darkly funny. It's got that quirky sort of fargo feel, I think. Oh, good. Um, and she, she kills it. Wait, Literally? Literally kills it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you said Dateline, and it always somebody ends up dying in Dateline. Yep. Yes, they do. <laughs> I, 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 I got to meet. I got to meet Keith Morrison, by the way, the other night. And what'd you One think? What'd you think? Oh, he's just like, hello, Josh. <laughs> <laughs> Fritzy does a pretty good impersonation of uh, Keith Morrison. Remember the old lady living on the park bench? She was just sitting there minding her business, or was she? She certainly had a lot of information for the Dade County Police Department. You got, you got to slow it way down, Fritzy. Yeah, Todd can't slow it down. <laughs> uh, All right. Well, hey, hey, I just wanted to call and say hello to my boys. Hey, congrats on everything, like- and uh, and then we look forward to the wedding invitation. Right. I think I got Purdue. Kentucky, Duke, and UCLA in my Final Four. I All think. Right. I think. Okay. Don't hold me to that. All right. I got to go. All right. You All right. Okay. Later. All right. That's Josh Dumel. Got engaged. I think he, he got engaged to, like, uh, Miss America or somebody. <laughs> you know, that guy needed a break in life. Yeah. Yeah. Glad he finally got it. I think when you win Miss America, it's automatic. You have to get engaged to Josh Dumel. <laughs> it's part of the prize package. <laughs> And your Corvette. And here's Josh Dumel. Yeah, a date with Josh Dumel. Although I brought it up to my wife. I said, uh, I saw a picture of Josh Dumel. He's starting to look a little older. And she goes, "Mm, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) And I I went, what? She goes, no, I I, I don't. don't, Well, you know, maybe he's getting older, but uh, he still looks good. I go, seriously? Seriously? (sighs) That's what I have to deal with sometimes. That and Clive Owens. Like, you know, I don't get that. Oh, that's one of her favorites? Yeah, my wife. Yeah. And and I go, Clive Owens? Well, he's ruggedly handsome, which is even worse yeah. than being pretty boy. No, no. Well, she got neither with me. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 until noon Eastern, 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. And you can find us on the iHeartRadio app at FSR or stream us live on the Peacock app. Mike check. Mike check. Do you want exclusive insight from the biggest names in the sports game? What's good? This is national champion and former pro baller Chris Johnson. And let me tell you a little bit about my new series, KJ Live. KJ Live is the only show featuring me going one on one with the brightest basketball minds on the planet to get the real. And when I say real, 
I mean that real. I got legendary Hall of Famers, elite coaches, and the top basketball insiders bringing you a unique perspective on all things hoops culture that you will not find anywhere else. To make your next move your best move and tap in with me on KJ Live, wherever you get your podcast from. The players, Saturday at 1 Eastern on NBC and Peacock. Go to PeacockTV.com to sign up. Yes, Paul. Is that the course, Is the little par 317 island? Yeah. Have you ever played that one? Yes. Is it mental? Yes. How would you and just, physical. It, it's, it's less than 150 yards, right? Probably. Um, Maybe yeah. I'm wrong. These guys hit wedges. It's just you, 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 you can't help but notice it. You're coming up to 16, and it's a par 5, and you just look over. You're on the green on 16, and you just see that green, the island green there, and it's in your head as you walk over to 17, and uh, I hit a nine iron into the water. Yes, I did. And then I said, I, look, I'm not going to play this course again anytime soon. And uh, re-teed and then put it on the green, but enacted as if the first ball going into the water didn't, uh, didn't happen. But, yeah, mentally, because these guys give them a wedge, they can make magic. But on that hole, it, you start to think too much. Nick Wright, First Things First, co-host on Fox Sports 1, uh, joining us on the program. Good to see you, Nick. Hey, How are you? You played Augusta, Dan? Yes, I did. So why don't you just you, – you, you, is it faster to just figure out the courses you haven't played? Um, there's a lot of courses I haven't played. I've been St. Fortunate. Andrews? Yeah, played that. Okay. Um, Pebble Beach? Yes. Okay, yeah. So maybe it is faster to go with the ones you haven't played. Maybe some in Dubai or something. Uh, Cyprus? Cyprus is a really difficult golf course to get on. Did you play at the one in Detroit that just burnt down? No, Oakmont, I didn't. Oakmont, I think it is. Uh, Oakmont is in Pennsylvania, I think. Okay, well then the, one, the famous one in Detroit. Oak Hills burned burned down. I, I think Oak Hills. I think that's it. Oh, okay. Do you play golf? Right. Uh, you know, I, no, I, I want to, and I said that this summer I was going to dedicate like that was going to be my leisure thing is to be able to be, I just want to break 90 so I can when people such as yourself invite me out. Not that you ever would. I can say yes. Right now I can't say yes. Cause I'm not good enough, but I just found out last week that I'm basically a professional fisherman, deep sea variety. So I think that's what I'm going to do this summer instead. Deep sea fishing. I would like to uh, invite you to play golf with me. See, this you, see you, you did that because you knew I just said I'm not good enough. All right, once I get good enough, I'm playing. Okay, you break to, 90. To, you break 90. How's yeah. that? Deal. It's okay. a goal. Thank uh, you, Dan. How about we do surf and turf, golf and fishing? Oh, oh deal. I'll teach you how to fish because you don't look like a fisherman. Um, well, your hands are too soft. I'm a, too much life of luxury. I'm an angler, and I am actually a fly fisherman. That doesn't seem fun. That just seems like an excuse to drink. No, 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 no. If you go deep sea fishing, that's when you drink. When you go fly fishing, you have to work every single cast. You got to work. You got to work. No, it's competition. But uh, how big are the fish? They go, it's like this big hmm. for radio listeners. I'm, I'm making small. <laughs> small no, no, you can stuff. catch some pretty good fish uh, okay. and on All a fly right. rod. It feels bigger. So, oh, does it? Yes, it does. Oh, okay. Just, right. just, good to know. just, just letting you know here. Uh, okay. Hi. First reaction to the Calvin Ridley story was. Well, listen, obviously he has to be in trouble and it, it, I, well, I had a number of reactions as a gambler. 
I'd like to see the Venn diagram of people that have uttered these words, I don't have a gambling problem, and people that actually have a gambling problem. Because that that did concern me. But when I saw what the bets were, a three, five, and eight team parlay, I'm like, okay. So this guy's not like a gambler. He hey, was just Nick, can you hold on for a sec? Yeah. I got breaking news. We have the results of the Aaron Rodgers story. Oh. Okay. So Paulie knows we don't know. Now, does he stay in Green Bay or does he go? And if he goes, where does he go? He's staying. Okay. If I'm wrong and he's going, it's Pittsburgh. Okay. I've said all along if he left, it was going to be Denver. And I thought the longer this went on, he was going to leave. Paulie, give us the information here. Aaron Rodgers is? According to Ian Rappaport of NFL Network, the Packers and MVP Aaron Rodgers have agreed in terms on a four-year, $200 million deal that makes him the highest-paid player in NFL history, sources say. Wow. He gets a whopping $153 million guaranteed, and his cap number actually goes down. Four years, $200 million. Wow. <laughs> Such a joke. The whole thing. Why is it I a mean, joke? I get, because it was, it, it really was always, it, the whole thing was about money. This whole dance, and I'm going to go host Jeopardy, and I'm going to, and I'm going to, I'm on a self actualization, <laughs> and the pen, and they, they got rid of Kumaru, and they don't respect me. And I, you know, and I miss Alan Lazard over the middle, so I lose to Jimmy Garoppolo at home, scoring seven points. The whole thing was so he can be he, he make fifty million. That's the whole thing. We've gone through all this nonsense. Oh, I want to live in Denver. I want to go to the Titans. It's so all so he can make fifty million. Give me a break. Like the, And by the way, the this is what I don't understand. And I'm and I'm all for athletes making a ton of money. I don't think athletes are overpaid, but I do think in a hard cap sport that this is you have to do this math. I would have thought that if a genie went to Aaron Rodgers 18 months ago and said, will you will you take 10 million dollars out of your bank account and I will change the result of that Seattle NFC championship game where you guys botched the onside kick. You go to that Super Bowl, you beat Tom Brady, you have two rings. $10 million for that. I think he would have said yes. He's now telling me no. In fact, I will make it harder to win the next one because the team's going to be worse. And, and then when they're not as good and he's not as good in the playoffs as he is in the regular season, again, he, what we're going to hear is, ah, I don't have enough talent around me. I need more help. But $50 million? $50 million. Okay. What else do you have, Paulie? A little more from Ian Rappaport. According to uh, his sources, Rodgers was down to retirement, the Packers, or the Broncos before the decision was made. Okay. No offense, Broncos. I feel bad for the Broncos because they geared up for this. And, uh, well, he'll have some things to say, I'm sure, on Pat McAfee's show later today. But I know when Von Miller left, they wanted to make sure they got a second-round pick. They were going to load up those picks to go to Green Bay. Yes, Eaton. He doesn't know. Sorry to interrupt, but according to Pat no. McAfee, news of the four-year, according to Pat McAfee's sources, who knows what they could be, <laughs> news of a four-year, $200 million deal is not accurate. Oh, okay. So I guess this story's not over. Uh, is he staying? Is that accurate? That's all I care about. Yes, he is staying with the Packers. I don't care about the money. Cap-friendly deal. Yeah, and I'm going to guess his source is Rogers. So, oh. <laughs> First of all, how does McAfee, listen, McAfee's done a great job. There's no shade. 
But how does McAfee not break this? I Dan, thought he was going to. if you were signing a new deal and Pauly doesn't break it, bad <laughs> job, Pauly. Yeah. Like, that is like, what in the world? Or, okay, this is, this is just so maddening. The whole thing. And listen, we're, you and I are both in the money and attention business. I get it. I like attention. I like money. I, I'm not I, – so I feel like it's a little glass houses thing I'm doing here. But – the, the whole thing feels fraudulent. The whole thing feels like he was squeezing them for dollars. That he wasn't going to Denver. He doesn't want to face Mahomes twice a year. The guy, best I can tell, he, he skipped this last Chiefs game out of fear of Mahomes. People said, hey, COVID reasons. I just think he didn't want Mahomes to crush him. Uh, you know what? We're in the rooting business. We root for change. We root for stories that we can talk about. And I think the media rooted for stories. They rooted for Tennessee. Oh, my God, Pittsburgh. Did you hear Mike Tomlin, what he said about Roger? Denver, it, it felt like that. Whereas staying in Green Bay, that doesn't, you know, that doesn't change much. It's like, okay, Aaron Rodgers stays there. Yes, correct. And I think the Tomlin thing would have been super interesting. And I think seeing him in the same division as Mahomes and Herbert would have been super interesting. I agree with that. We root for interesting and to be right. Yeah. Like, that's what we're, we root for. Yeah. Um, but the other, the other part of it is we, this wasn't out of whole cloth. He started this whole thing <laughs> on draft day last year. Whole thing. Well, that was Schefter. Schefter started this on draft day because that wasn't a story on draft day because it felt like that was imminent that he was going to be traded. And then asking Schefter about that on my show, I said, that, you didn't have any breaking news that day. And he said it was just a compilation of things. But it wasn't. My point is this wasn't a media creation. The frustration was real. The flirting with retirement, the, the, the thinking he yeah. can go host Jeopardy, yeah. all that was real. And then all of I'm the most interesting man in the world because I read one Ayn Rand book. <laughs> all that happened. And then and then the the bizarre Instagram post that's because he was on a a a, a, a bee pollen cleanse. That happened. All of it happened. And and the end result is, oh, I was never leaving, but I got the most money any player's ever gotten. Good for you. He's Nick Wright, first things first, co-host on Fox Sports One. The reason why I was gonna have you on, the main reason was LeBron on uh, the shop coming out saying, hey, I get pissed off. Nobody ever talks about me as being a great scorer, one of the great scorers yeah. of all time. I yeah. view that as a compliment because, you know, Alex English and Adrian Dantley and Carmelo Anthony, those are great scorers. LeBron could be the greatest player of all time. So I didn't know if he was manufacturing something to say. Well, well let me ask you this. Do, who do you think is a better, considered a better scorer, LeBron or Durant? Durant. But they average to the tenth of a point, the exact same amount of points per game for their career, and LeBron does it on a higher efficiency. Who do you think is a better scorer, LeBron or Kobe? Kobe is viewed as a better score. But LeBron averages more points on a better percentage and a better three-point percentage. So I think that's the frustration. Yeah, but Listen, his, Jordan, his his game is so much more balanced than Durant's or Kobe's. That it that but, I I don't look at LeBron and say he's a scorer. I mean, he is a scorer. He's not a shooter. He's a scorer. But he's the, he's the best all-around player who's ever played the game. That's the better compliment to call you a scorer. Well, yes. And Kobe I, was a know, pure shooter. Durant's a far purer shooter. LeBron knows how to score. 
it's not always pretty, but he Kobe and Durant got style points. It's the pretty and it's the style. Yes. It's that because so much of NBA analysis is not who's the most effective. It's who reminds me the most of Michael Jordan. And Jordan, while early in his career, was a high flyer. He, when he was winning championships, it was mid-range, it was jump shots, it was that kind of balletic scoring. And LeBron, it's one of the reasons why people almost like have discounted some of his buzzer beaters because they came, remember the one in the playoffs against the Pacers, came on a layup. He had a buzzer beating layup. And so like, like well, that doesn't really count. Well, it does count, literally counts. And it's the, because it is not scoring the way people are used to seeing people score. But I think you could argue like this is what's interesting. When we talk about the greatest scores in NBA history, people aren't, they'll list five names before mentioning one, two, and three in all time scoring Malone and LeBron. And so like, now I think you can argue, obviously Jordan was the best scorer ever because he just didn't play long enough, but he was 33 a game in the playoffs, 30 a game for his career. But other than Jordan, I think LeBron's got his case for anyone. But LeBron's got to create these little, you know, yes, ghosts to punch at. Yeah, and that's fine. that's what I thought he was doing. That okay, this season is lost. Now I'm going to focus on passing Carl Malone. Maybe I can be, uh, you know, Herculean, and I can uh, we we can do uh, surprise somebody in the playoffs. Maybe, but uh, this just felt like it was another motivational tool. That's fair. Can I do? I know I'm only on with you like once a month, but can I? Can I start every time I'm on with you? Can we do one thing at the end? Okay. I don't know if we're near the end, but I would like to do it. Okay. Where I predict a future take that's coming, that's getting ready. It's in the hopper, not for me, not from you in this show, but a take that is going to be in the sports media, you know, ether. Okay. LeBron James is selfish for winning the scoring title. LeBron James winning the scoring title is actually not good. LeBron James, if LeBron James was not as focused on winning the scoring title, maybe he would, you know, shut it down for the year. Maybe the Lakers would be better off. It is going to be a cudgel used against him. Mark my words. Yeah, I could see it. Uh, Look, but you work on a network where you have somebody who looks at what is the negative LeBron James story. And if there isn't one, Skip Bayless creates it. Don't. Oh, I thought you were talking about Kevin Wilds. He works on my show. Wilds, <laughs> son of a gun. Uh, yeah, listen, there you know, there needs to be balance in the universe, Dan. And so there's me. And there's Skip. Have you ever but, called uh, out Skip Bayless for one of his I, takes? I was on. I I was sitting across the table from him uh, right before my hour show launched uh, the day. Game three of the finals in Cleveland, the first year the Warriors had Durant, when Durant hit the shot on LeBron to go up 3-0. Yeah, we had a nice 15 minutes okay. back and forth. Okay, I, got, I, I landed a nice, I, I will say, I was proud I landed, I landed a pretty nice nice one because we that, that then turned into a discussion about the championship with Cleveland the year before, and I was told uh, Kyrie Irving hit the game-winning shot, and I said, uh, no, no, Kyrie Irving didn't win the game. Going up by three in the finals doesn't win you the game. You know, I would have thought Ray Allen taught everybody that. Going up by three. Because this is what people forget. Game seven against the Warriors, the clinching points were made by one 
LeBron, Raymond James. Right after Draymond Green uh, brutalized him, I thought he broke his wrist. He Wolverined it back, and he heroically made a free throw. That's what won the game. Going up four wins you the game. Going up three is nice. Four wins you the game. History will remember. All right, so we're predicting hot takes. I like it. No, I didn't say hot takes. It's just going to be in the ether. It's going to be out there. Who said it's a hot take? But you know what? I think just like Russell Westbrook thinks Westbrook has turned into not a slur, but something very pejorative, I think hot take is pejorative. People are like, oh, I, I always have these writers. They, they send these little tweets. They're like, oh, these hot take artists on television. Like, first of all, artist, correct. Second of all, take, <laughs> correct. Third of all, what, you, what you, you, has anyone ever been like, hey, give me some lukewarm soup? No, you want some hot soup. Things that are hot are supposed to be good. They're more delicious. They, they're more attractive. Yeah. So I, 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 you know what? That's what I'm doing. I'm reclaiming the word. Hot take is a positive. Thank you, Nick. No problem. I'll talk to you later. Okay. That's uh, Nick Wright. First things first, co-host, Fox Sports 1. Fritzy, book Nick in a month from now. I got it. Okay. Just want to make sure. Have him back. Uh, maybe Nick co-host, maybe hosting this show one day, but then he would have to not do his show on first things first. Uh, you know, put that invitation out. We're going to go fishing. We're going to go golfing. And then maybe when I'm not here uh, a couple of days, Nick will call in sick at Fox. Nobody will ever know. And then he could do this show. Yes, Paul. Fishing seems, I mean, I've done both, but fishing is so much more relaxing than golfing. It's not even close, right? No one gets tense when they're fishing. Well, fishing, you just, it's an excuse to drink. Yeah. Golfing, you still have to actually golf. Fishing, you just kind of, if you go deep sea fishing, you just sit there. Fly fishing is work. But that deep sea fishing can be work if you get one of those yeah. big ones on the reel now. Yeah, you can. I mean, they have guys who will do that for you. I just love fish on. And then, you know, everybody has to pull their rod and reel out of the water there. Fish on.